with as many years as it's been since game day's been here, I uh, wouldn't be surprised to see us set some kind of record for attendance at game day, and uh, that's just what you expect out of Nebraska fans. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky. Not sure what Dave's road game issue is. Mac and I had a lovely time in Champaign and came home with a victory. <laughs> Go Big Red! You son of a... Uh, <laughs> I'm also with Mac. Also, Redcasters, uh, I'm looking for some help. I need to figure out a way to take a picture off of Twitter and make a poster out of it. I don't know if you've seen uh, Oregar's latest masterpiece, but somewhere around the 9, 10 mark. I'm not exactly sure. I haven't screenshot it or anything like that but uh <laughs> we made husker history so <laughs> i've got to get that might be a tattoo i'm not sure yet <laughs> i'm also with boomer well again i just like to emphasize it's the go big Redcast. we can use that word with uh willie nilly abandoned thanks to the u.s patent and trademark office shooting ohio state down so that's already one loss for them for the year let's see if we can set up a second all right good stuff guys well um as we heard from Scott Frost there, it is a big week in Lincoln. Game day is coming to town. We had talked about that uh, for quite a while, and it has uh, actually happened, so it's exciting. I'm sure we'll get into that when we go into the Ohio State preview, but we do want to look back a little bit, and I love doing the Red Cast after a victory. It was uh, an awesome game where we had almost 700 yards of offense. Adrian Martinez has personal records for, for yards. Wendell Robinson has a big breakout game. Uh, defense only gives up 299 yards. I mean, it was just, uh, I mean, statistically, we dominated Illinois in many facets. You know, it's great. And oh, wait, uh, it was 42 to 38, and we had to stop them on fourth uh, down in the fourth quarter. Honky, you guys were out there in Champaign. You uh, made reference to the fact that you saw a victory, something that I haven't seen in a long time in a road venue. Uh, how was it? And tell us all about it. Yeah, Mac and I had a, a wonderful time. And, and It was splendid. And, and I think before I go anywhere, I have to thank uh, Mac's uh, sister, Maureen, yes. and brother-in-law, Dean. Yes. Uh, they live out in Western Illinois. They were absolutely outstanding hosts for fantastic us. Fantastic hosts, fantastic food, great oh, company, my. great time, interesting places. We drink in a silo. Yeah. And that's, I'm not lying. Yeah. There was a silo bar in the middle of nowhere. Biker Illinois. bar. Yeah. Biker bar. It was perfect. We were well accepted, though. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, and I put up a Go Big Redcast sticker over the urinal. so It was appropriate. There were other stickers there. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, yeah. It's not like the sticker we threw on Folsom Field somewhere. That's yeah. beyond the point. Um, we also had a chance. We went out there with Darren Ivey. Yeah. He's the GM of, yeah. of Husker Illustrated. He's a friend of ours from Columbus. He got a chance to party down with some McGuire's. Oh, yeah. It was, it was all good. And, Changed and we, him a little bit. And we had a chance to tailgate in Champaign with Husker Sports Babe and the Big Red Tailgate both Twitter fans with us. And so it was just a lot of fun. It was a great weekend. The Illinois people that yeah. we were around, minus, as you mentioned on our big red reaction, minus one fan in front of us yep. who was a bit of a, what did you call uh, him? A duber. A duber. Um, <laughs> other than him, uh, the Illinois fans were great. So it was a yeah. great weekend. We got the victory. It was fun. And as you mentioned, Dave, uh, for all the great stats, it's amazing how uh, it was not as easy as you'd like to think that game would be. One other thing I do want to mention, on the drive into Champaign, we were listening to the early game, which was Michigan-Wisconsin, Michigan, <laughs> Michigan yeah. Wisconsin, and we got the Michigan radio feed. 
And they were not pleased, and it was Dan Deerdorf. <laughs> we were streaming pure Michigan mir- misery. It was fantastic. Oh, my gosh. I was tweeting out some of the quotes, and they were hilarious quotes coming from Deerdorf and whoever his partner is. But they were just like, this is an embarrassment. Oh, my gosh. So, Redcasters, you know, that's year five of Harbaugh. I don't know what they're they're going to do out there in Michigan, but I saw progress. We, we didn't play the best game that we could have. We didn't play a very smart game, but we got up a ton of yards, and we walked away with the first road win under under Frost. It can always be worse. Right? Absolutely. I mean, we're not Michigan. We're not Tennessee, for example. We're not Arkansas. So uh, let's look on the bright side. And now, scoring explosion, the offensive breakdown. All right, Honky. Well, you know, offensively uh, – we had over 700 yards, I think, until we had a few kneel downs there. Uh, 300 yards passing, 300 yards rushing, uh, distributing the ball over the place. But, uh, and Boomer, you're going to end up going to have a, a nice role in the show because we're talking turnovers and special teams probably throughout it. It was a frustrating, maddening experience to watch us kind of give away a lot of our, our positive offensive performances uh, through those turnovers. Uh, Honky, you wanted to start off a little bit with what your experience there in the crowd while while we kind of spotted Illinois 14 points. Yeah, uh, Boomer's our special team coordinator. He's also our statistician. And, uh, you know, our starting field position, he ran some numbers. And our starting field position in this game was at the 23.1-yard line. And Illinois was at the 39-yard line. Man, that's better than I thought ours would be. <laughs> and it's actually, that's actually is better than I thought it might have been because – we kept turning the ball over in some of the most inopportune places. And when you think about this, we were negative three in turnovers. And I'll make the argument it was really negative four. Their one interception was essentially a punt because of the way that they threw it up on a third down. And that's beyond the point. Anyways, we were negative three in turnovers. We got back into double-digit penalties after only having one the week before. And those kind of stats, you should not win the game. We should not have won last weekend. It literally took 400 more yards of offense to overcome the amount of errors that we made. And if you don't make those errors, and some of them are very preventable. Tonight I tweeted out two of our double-digit penalties were lining up offsides and not lining up correctly on offense. We also had a delay a game coming off of a timeout. We also these ran are, out of bounds one time. Yes, these are pre-snap issues. So here's the good news, folks, because the bad news is you should never make those mistakes. Those are terrible mistakes, and we've had more than enough people on Twitter and social media tell us how dumb and terrible those mistakes are. We agree. Here's the good news. They are preventable, and they had nothing to do with the opponent. Don't do them against Ohio State. Exactly right. It's been uh, We'll get to Ohio State here s- soon enough, I suppose. But, Boomer, uh, as, as our uh, kind of guy that not only looks at special teams, but things about turnover margin and, and all the other things, I mean, this game, it doesn't, to Hockey's point, when you have that type of negative turnover margin, you don't win games. When you have 10 penalties, you don't win games. But Illinois was bad enough that we were able to actually really, we really should have won like 49 to 38, right? At, at worst, at, at one play. I mean, honestly, I think Wandell did score on that, for goodness sakes, and fumbled into the end zone. Um, so, I mean, how bad was Illinois, I guess, in some ways, and, and how frustrating was for you to watch that game? Well, on the plus side, it was about three bottles of wine deep by halftime in, in that game. So that that kind of took some of the edge off watching it. And that's I when I forgot you were at a wedding. You didn't even have to watch that I live. I missed most of the second half and, until I was able to watch it again and on uh, the repeat. So, but hockey brought up exactly the point. That just shows what a big equalizer turnovers and penalties are in a game. It 
flips the field. It kills momentum on drives. It hands opponents who were not producing a whole bunch of yards. I mean, even with great starting field position, Illinois, I think, what did they have, under 300 total yards of offense in that game? I think it was 299. Yeah, they were not an offensive juggernaut by any stretch of the imagination. They weren't getting a whole lot of yardage per play. They're just, they're, it wasn't there, but just because you have all those turnovers and those penalties, you know, taking field goals off the board from penalties and things like that. That gives teams life where otherwise they wouldn't. So if Nebraska could have played a, a complete game, that would have been a perfect opportunity to dominate. But, you know, we haven't seen that yet from this Nebraska team this season. You know, it's interesting. I, I don't know if this is a question or just a statement that you guys might be able to respond to, but I, I listened to a lot of, uh, like, SiriusXM and uh, the Audible now, Athletic, excuse me, the Athletic has all these different podcasts now. I even listened to the Ohio State one today. When you see that score come across your ticker, 42-38, to 38, or during the game while we're down by two touchdowns, and you may catch a couple of highlights, and they show Reggie Corbin flashing for 66 yards or, or getting uh, you know the 35-yard touchdown they got in the, in the third quarter or whatever it was. And the perception is, wow, Nebraska's defense was sliced and diced like Swiss cheese, and uh, Illinois should have won that game. But then you look at the stats, and... It was just the turnovers and penalties that were killing us. Everything else, it was an absolute lopsided affair from many factors. I guess I'll, I'll say this. When I was watching that game, and I, I actually was able to watch it at home and really you know, pay attention closely, it was one of those games where I wasn't as nervous about this as almost like, say, the, the halftime of Colorado and Nebraska, where we were up 17 nothing, but... We weren't moving the ball easily, and uh, it wasn't clear how we were going to put them away. Whereas I knew we were going to score again. I just didn't know if we were going to keep on turning the ball over again to pre- prevent us from making our comeback. Does that make any sense, guys? Like, Honky Mac, how, when you were in the crowd, were you like, man, I don't think this is going to we're, we're going to lose this one, or did you always feel like there was some sort of confidence there that you thought we were going to get get this turned around? Yeah, Mac, I thought, and you and I sit next to each other, a bunch of times we had this conversation, that there were things that made you nervous sitting in the crowd, but then they had a really good stat on the, you know, mm. stat area on the scoreboard, as opposed to the Colorado Stadium, Dave, that had nothing. Right. You know, Mac and I constantly kept staring, and I remember talking to you, Mac, at one point. It's like, geez, we're sitting here at 350 yards at halftime, you know? And so it's like, you're yeah. worried, but you're not worried. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't just a small margin. It was a wide margin of production <laughs> difference. And, and, and some of their plays, you know, just a couple big chunk plays. So you take those out of it, you can feel a little bit better, but, you know, the stat that tends to matter the most on the scoreboard short of the points is your turnover stat. And we were just, you know, one of these days we're going to we're gonna play a game and we're just going to give ourselves our best chance to win. And we're going to do it for four quarters. And then we'll finally know what this team is made out of. And, and, I, and my sense is that when we do that, we're going to be a really good team and really difficult to handle. But Illinois came to play too, though. I, I, defensively, you know, those guys were flying around and smacking. I think this was a really good game for our guys to play going into this. And then when you look at it in another way, and I, I, was, I was telling Honky on the way back, I'm like, you know, in Max mind, when I readjust everything and I think about positives, one of the things I think about is, you know, the offense up until this game hadn't had a ton of snaps going into each competition. So we were short on snaps on offense. Well, we finally got to a point in the game, be it circumstance or be it our efficiency, where, you know, almost to 100 
Yeah, was it 98 snaps? It was 98. I know they adjusted the snap if you count penalties. We had over 100 snaps, and then penalties kind of adjust that number. And then the defense dropped their number way down, like 65. And then the way we rotate our front seven guys, they didn't take as much wear and tear. And if I was going to think about how I want to match up against Ohio State, I really want our defense to be fresh. And the offense really needed time to hammer out some rhythm, which I felt like we saw in this game save the turnovers so yeah. there there are a lot of positives to be taken away from this game and if you take away those turnovers it's a crazy good game i'm like i am <laughs> we would we would be over 800 yards almost i mean this, without even thinking this, about it. this game isn't even close this is a four or five touchdown you know what's funny about if this? you take away those turnovers and the penalties my sister molly <laughs> she went to the game too and she's like matt i've never experienced fans like this where although they were up Constantly kept reassuring us that they will <laughs> that you will come back and win this game. In fact, they left. The Illinois fans were leaving before we had taken the lead back. Just kind of like this. Well, this is inevitably going to happen. We're going to watch you take the lead back from us. It doesn't hurt anymore. Yeah. We, you know, like okay. you know, but you kind of see a difference in the mentality between the two programs. I talked about it before. How some teams, the Big Ten, just seem content to just kind of do whatever and be passive. You know, whether it's competing with other programs, the Ohio States and Michigans. And I think we saw a great example of the difference in attitudes between a team like Illinois and a team like Nebraska. If you look at this week's game and last week's game with Northern Illinois, that last possession before halftime. Last week, we get the ball with 50 seconds left, and we go all out to try to score another touchdown and put that game away. This week, Illinois gets the ball. They're up, what was it, 21 to 14 at that time. They get the ball with, what, minute 40, minute 50 left. They kind of piddle around, drive down to their own 41, and then do nothing They and go into halftime with a couple timeouts left. That just kind of showed that passive attitude that they had. They're willing to just play the game and see what happens. They weren't willing to try to put a team away, which they certainly could have with a field goal or a touchdown at that point. Yeah, that's a really good point, Boomer. I mean, they definitely didn't have any sort of killer instinct. Mac, Hockey, uh, let's talk maybe about some of our uh, offensive performers. You know, Adrian obviously had a big day, but he also, I mean, we had, I mean, Diedrich Mills has some good runs and touchdowns. Maurice Washington, I mean, absolute game changer. Yeah. Obviously got dinged up and we didn't see him in the second half which then resulted in a much bigger role for Wandell Robinson. Mac, you want to maybe talk about those guys a bit? Yeah, Maurice Washington, he is as dynamic as a player as we've had in in so long. His little dead leg move, you know, when they show that replay of him, when he jukes, there's not anybody in the picture. There's nobody in the shot. You're like, who's he juking? And then they show the next frame, and he's like, Eight yards to the right, and like that, that that linebacker was number thirty-five. Hanson, he was doing work. He such a spark. And then with Wandell coming out, you know, running the ball, receiving, showed toughness. You know, a lot of our guys showed some toughness. I think you know the only time Maurice he got hobbled and went off the field quite a few times, but he kept coming back. It was until the concussion thing. I think it was a concussion. I, we don't have any official word on that, but I thought he was going through the protocol. So it wasn't until that that they actually finally took him out of the game. But, geez, how about J.D. Spielman taking some shots and still producing? Like, that's a guy clearly Adrian's comfortable going to. You know, Adrian showed pretty expl- pretty good explosion in the run game, and I, yeah, he continues to improve. Yeah, I think he, he needs to understand that it's not always going to be a perfect play, and there's a lot of plays for every offense uh, where it doesn't work out exactly like you expect it to work out, and, and good players still go make something happen. And But you have to be decisive and playing fast to have that happen, and I thought he was a lot more decisive with his reads and took off with it better when he needed to. Still made some really good throws and had a had a really good game for us. 
Hey, Matt, can we talk about JD a little bit there? Because you're right. I mean, his his toughness was on display. Wow. He got uh, really hit over the middle a couple different times. And I, I was having a conversation with someone a little bit about that. You know, like, wow, you know, Adrian needs to stop laying you know, putting that ball out there for, for JD or whoever's over that crossing route to, because they're getting laid out. And I, I thought about that for a second though. And I'm like, well, I, I don't know X's and O's as well as you guys, but I do know Lovey Smith is a cover two guy, a Tampa two guy. And that's probably the crease in that defense, right? Is between the front zone and the back zone where you're trying to get those receivers in between. And Adrian had to get the ball over the guy in front of him and, and drop it down. And if we had some 6'4 guy out there, he probably would catch that with his hands up by his helmet. But JD or Wandell has to jump to catch those. Is that, is that a fair assessment? I don't know. No, that's a, that's a very fair assessment. That's a, those, those windows are always kind of the weak spot of that Tampa too, but it doesn't mean that they're easy to hit. Um, and you do have to, you know, depending on how good your linebackers are, how much they drop and, you know, what kind of hops they have, they, it's a, it's a very specific pass because you have to have it drop down in time before the safety can come up and make a play. So it's, it's tight. And then like, like you said, we've got this new itty bitty committee at wide receiver. It, the ball's probably going to come in high more likely than not, because if it's low, it's probably picked off, yeah. you know, so that ball's going to come in a little high, but the, but he's been close with it. And our guys have, you know, shown toughness yeah. going up and getting it. So now we do have some guys that aren't itty bitty though. I mean, we've got those tight ends. Well, the, and that's the thing, you know, that's going to be Jack Stoll showed out again. It's just, it's just, it's like, it seems to be this. Somebody needs to be in their ear about, hey, we should maybe think about those tight ends again. You know, those guys have shown, you know, they've been pretty productive and they're the tallest guys on the team by sure. far. Well, I'd like to see that safety make that same kind of hit on a six, eight, you know, Austin Allen. Right. He's got an, right. extra, right. has an extra 50 pounds on him than, than Spielman. They ran the defense that Frost and company was expecting. And Frost made that reference last week where he talked about the first three games. Each team came out and ran mm. something a little different. This was that Tampa 2. This was that that cover 2 defense. They were daring they were Adrian to beat them. They were daring him to. And we we put 700 yards on you. Now, again, turnovers, and you got to have all that discussion. But you take those turnovers away, we put 700 yards on a defense that we knew what to prepare for. Right. So, I mean, and it, we did it with – a really decent amount of balance, three fifty, roughly three fifty each way. And throughout the whole game too, it wasn't like a catch up thing. Yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't like desperation. We were putting up a bunch of yards passing because mm-hmm. we were so down, which we were all the whole game. We mm-hmm. stick. We stuck within the game plan. We were always moving the ball, so that was never really and an we, issue. We moved the ball in so many different ways. There was inside yeah. runs, there were outside runs, there were deep balls, there were side passes, everything you could imagine. That little I, shovel pass. I want to. Oh, I want to bring up a couple of new things that we saw. And some of them worked, some of them didn't, but they did, started to do those direct snaps to oh, the running back. Oh, yeah, that was a good A couple of them. I haven't seen that since 95 Lawrence Phillips. But the direct shotgun snap to the running back, that was interesting. That was a new uh, wrinkle. And another new wrinkle, and, and Frost mentioned this in the press conference because it didn't work, but I don't care. It, it's just the fact that we lined up in it. We got in the I formation at the, the one-yard line. Now, again, it didn't work, and there's reasons why. We had guys pulling, and nobody missed – or we missed a tackle coming through clean. But beyond the point, it's the fact that I think Frost is seeing some things that he can make some adaptations to this offense in the Big Ten, make it work, get, you know, get the short yards going. It's nice to be as good in our own offense right now that you'd like to – that you can add a few wrinkles that other teams need to prepare for. It's like, well, they will yep. get under center sometimes. You know, that's not something that they could say and totally rule out preparing for. Correct. Mills's touchdown that was uh, just sounds like a pitch was under center, right? That was I mean, that was 
classic Nebraska. That was under center, just a a straight-up pitch. The eye formation, the the reason I bring it up, I mean, we had number 97, I think, is that DeAndre Thomas was the the fullback for that? I've mentioned it in the past that there is the room for the fullback in this offense in the future, and this was a a perfect example of that. I and in fact, it's it's a year or two sooner than I thought, to be honest. And it's not that we're going to become some under center I formation offense. No one's thinking that. I'm just saying there's room for this type of offense in the future in the Big Ten to do that. Anyways, the direct snaps I thought was a great addition too. It just gives future teams something to look at and something we have not run yet. And I brought it up two straight weeks, and I'll bring it up again. We have not run speed option, direct option with Martinez yet. Well, I might do it against this team actually. I think I don't think that's with it with a turnover like issue we've had. I don't think it's time to start breaking out option. (laughs) We haven't you know repped it that much. It depends on but how much it, it depends know. on how much we've repped it in practice and how good we've run mm. it in practice. That's that's my thing. But my point is is that this is the perfect game to start to actually game plan against somebody. So much of the time we've talked about culture and this and that. Yeah. We are literally at a point where we are playing the number six team in the country. And what can we do schematically? And what can we show them? And what can we do to get our best athletes on the field? Getting Mills and Martinez and Wandell and Spielman all out there at the same time. These are the things that we haven't really been doing through the first three or four games. And I guarantee you this is not the game to hold it back. So I think this is incredibly fun as a Husker fan. Like, I am excited to see Scott Frost. This is why you're paying this guy $5 million a year and everything that he's brought with him, this great offense, this Oregon speed with Husker power, let it loose. There's nothing that needs to be held back. You are not holding anything back for Northwestern and Minnesota. This is the weekend to play football, have a ball, get as much speed out there, and just <laughs> flip and play it. As you can say, we're done with the Illinois breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we just we, – Yeah, let's, man, he got all his, his red burn brighter there. Sorry. I am ready, man. All right, we'll talk a little bit more about Adrian maybe uh, going to Ohio State because he had a, a really great day in a, a big second half that we would hope to continue against Ohio State. He's the only player in the country with 1,000 yards passing and 200 yards rushing through the first four games of this season. So I, I figure he's back on that uh, that uh, Dark Horse that, Heisman that's race, a, right? And that's amazing, Mac. I mean, we talked about it at the rapid reaction. We had a number of people that sent us in stuff that night. And I even had a few text messages that I got to after the game was done. People were saying throughout the course, Martinez isn't doing well and this or that. He's the only guy in the country with those stats. His stats that night, Dave, were amazing. Yeah. He's fine. Adrian's fine, folks. We're going to be okay. We need to stop fumbling. That's probably it. Do you feel like uh, his second-and-a-half performance felt like it was more, I don't know, fluid or fitting into the system? He felt a lot more confidence there. He ran with more authority. I remember, I can't remember, it was early in the game he got... He like stumbled upon himself almost, like the ten yard line oh, got yeah. him right, you know. And that was that that felt like similar to a few other games this year. But then in the second half, when it was like, hey, we need a score here, suddenly he was taken off and and he bolted for twenty five yards and forty four yards and was picking up first downs on third. You know, it, it was a different Adrian, and it felt like he finally was able to get into the groove of the game for the, almost the first time all year. Well, you know, Wandell's emergence might play a small factor in that as well because he had a guy he could count on, not just running but passing, and Wandell made play after play, you know, and it wasn't until after that that you saw Adrian really break loose in the run game. So, you know, that's the kind of stuff we add those pieces going forward. I'm not going to jump to Ohio State. I kind of want to, but anyway, um, yeah, sorry. (laughs) It's time to throw the bones. 
All right, guys. Well, uh, you know, the offense was kind of the story against Illinois, but the defense did their part as well. Uh, under 300 yards of total offense. In particular, the, the passing game for Illinois, Brandon Peters, the Michigan transfer. I can't remember his exact stat line. It was like 9 of 23 for 78 yards or something like that. It was it was not good. Uh, he did beat us on a couple of throws, but uh, did not uh, have his best game. And uh, outside of Reggie Corbin's 66-yard run on the second play of the game, we actually, I think, played the, the run game relatively well, it, at least relatively speaking compared to Illinois last year. I mean, it's, it's kind of funny to think about this, guys. We beat Illinois, what was it, guys, 45-23 or something last year, something like that? It was pretty and, close. It was one of our better offensive outputs last year as well. Yeah, yeah. A.J. Bush, though, you know, ran kind of all over us. Uh, Illinois put some, some points up, but we won by three touchdowns, and Everybody's ecstatic. Honestly, outside of the turnovers, again, defensively, we were much approved compared to our performance last year versus Illinois. Yeah, there's nowhere to run up the gut on this team. And there that's been a pretty consistent thing for about the last four games. Now that run that Corbin had, his 66-yard one, uh, that's where Dismute came in off of a blitz. He kind of ran underneath it. That's one play. And there's a couple other times where – you know, they would get outside and we didn't have somebody to fill right away and, and, and they'd find one lane. But what I'm seeing a lot of is when you start to see a back like Corbin, who's going to remind you a lot of Dobbins, I think, um, is, you know, he, they want to get upfield. They want to find that lane and start cutting up as soon as possible. And what I've seen a number of plays is where it's, it's first, it's an outside linebacker mm-hmm. that forces them to have to cut it out a little bit right. further. Then they want to find the next lane. But now at that point, maybe it's Lamar. Or it's a, you know, it's a corner right. that's taking on a receiver and taking them on right at the line of scrimmage and they can't cut up right there. So now they have to go back out around that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they can get three or four or five yards getting around the far outside, but then by then the safety's hitting them. And the point is it just keeps stretching the play out further and further and further. And that's those run lanes that this defense has done a really good job of, of cutting off. This year they have. And you yes. can see those same plays ran against us last year when someone started getting the edge like Corbin would a few times in this game, save his big run. Instead of being able to just round the, the corner and get upfield, there was something about that just kept pushing it wider and wider. So it was a four- to yeah. six-yard gain. That's fine. In the middle of the field, you can live with that. But it's like, and, and even in my eyes, because I'm so used to seeing guys make that corner, when someone would kind of fly up and make that tackle, I was like, oh. That's the difference with having some speed in that backfield to mm-hmm. come up on the run support. And guys are very willing to do it because you look at a guy like Lamar Jackson and that guy's not showing any hesitancy in his physical no. game anymore. He is on such a different level and it's the physical part that he's added to it. I, I never thought we would see this out of Lamar Jackson. He was he was the Deion Sanders of, of defensive backs for us in terms of yeah. wanting to hit and be physical a couple of years ago. And what he's doing now is, is, is quite amazing. Yeah. But the other guy, and you mentioned speed, Mac, mm-hmm. the other guy, and he just earned himself a black shirt this week, JoJo Doman. Yeah, JoJo probably deserved a black shirt before. We missed him a training camp. Wasn't with his team for part of it, so we didn't feel it was appropriate to give it to him then. But his play on the field has certainly been deserving of a black shirt. And it was good to see him uh, gutted out Saturday. He wasn't 100%, and he went out and played hard and played well anyway. So he deserved one. Him moving into this, whatever this nickel kind of role is. He's the only is. one. The He's only the only one on the depth chart with anybody behind him. Mac, Mac nickel. He, what position Nolan. is he? Nickel. He's a... I can't do it. I'm too sore from the game. You I, was don't, gonna, you don't, I was going to say, but you it don't just want to sing a little back. Well, yeah. but but having that speed and that physicality that he brings, aside from Tanner 
and uh, and you know Alex Davis right. being out there at the outside linebacker. In addition to those guys, we have some speed, and those guys can hit. And one of my favorite plays, Dave. I don't know what it looked like on TV. I haven't seen it yet. I just remember it, watching it live. Is that when they thought we jumped, and all five offensive linemen for Illinois don't even move, which is hilarious. I mean, they were taught well, but they don't move. And, but it wasn't a penalty, so then we just like had a clear shot yeah, on the guy. Yeah, and he made and them pay. Good for good on Doman. He made them pay. You know, he actually didn't catch him clean is the funny thing. He could have leveled Brandon Peters there and just absolutely knocked him out of the game almost. He almost got a glancing blow. Uh, I think it, it, I mean, he hit him hard, but it was not a, a straight shot. But mm-hmm. yeah, it was a very unusual play to watch live. Uh, and another good shot was Tanner earlier in the game flipping that one receiver over. I think that was somewhere in the first quarter, if I remember right. We look like we're playing smarter on defense. Yes. I, I, we just look like we're making better decisions. There were I've seen opportunities for our secondary to light guys up that I've seen them do before, mm-hmm. or or like a quarterback getting blasted after he releases the ball, mm-hmm. or just a, you know like a guy like I've seen Dismute come flying up on a dude who's just about to go out of bounds, and then they pull up and don't do it. So that that's the weird thing about last week's game. Last week's game, I think they were smart playing hard. They they would yeah. they'd fly up. They didn't get the bad fifteen yard you know late right. hit penalty, but. Boomer made a, a point about Illinois at the end of the first uh, half, how they didn't go for a touchdown when they mm-hmm. kind of should have gotten into a two-minute drill, right? Uh, going into that drive, Mac and I are sitting there, and I go, what we should do is on this first play, if we stop them on a short run, they should run the ball against us. Right. They should try to get the, the clock going. If we stop them short, call timeout, which we did. On second down, we stop them. It's going to be third and long, and what do we do? We lined up offsides. Oh, yeah. And that killed us because it went from being third and nine to being second and two. They get the first down, and then they do exactly what Boomer just said. They didn't even try to score, but it prevented us from getting the ball back with, oh, I don't know, a minute left. And what did we see at the end of the Northern Illinois game? We only needed 44 seconds to go 87 yards against Northern Illinois, but that one penalty. It wasn't the late hit, terrible Mm. penalty that we got last year. It's a pre-snap, lined-up offsides penalty. Those are the things that they are completely preventable. We don't need to do that. Don't do that this week. We can't afford to do those things, but it has nothing to do with the opponent. It is literally line up correct. Get the ball back to your offense. Defense continues to build on what it's done. I even saw there was a, there was a play. It was for sure going to be like this design wheel route. And then they ended up throwing it deep over the middle. Yep. And Alex Davis did such a great job of getting back into coverage and completely yep. shutting that play down. So the outside linebackers, Alex Davis, that's that's obviously an area of his game that he well every I suppose about every facet of his game, but his his coverage has gotten far far Agreed. better. Agreed. And then you get a guy like Caleb Tanner, like we'd already talked about with that making that play in coverage when he upended that guy. But JoJo Doman is a complete. He's he's a complete wild card in that because he he is truly elite as an outside linebacker in coverage. So has anybody else actually listened to the Matt Millen broadcast with Kevin Kugler? Yeah, I listened to it. I don't. I mean, there's always plays in a broadcast that I'm like, shut up. But I mean, for the most part, it didn't seem any out of balance at all. No, I thought he was fine. He even made a, a statement about um, there was a run that uh, Washington had where he left the guy's jock on the ground. He goes, that's a great run. He left, he left his jock on the ground. I mean, that's we heard some of that rapid reaction stuff, Dave, to yeah. your point. And you texted us the next day, and you said, I don't think Millen was that bad. And so when I did have a chance, I haven't been able to watch the whole game in full. But I think I the parts that I've heard, 
I was like, he. I thought he did just fine. Him I and Kevin pretty, Kru- I think him I, I think and Kruger, right. they were fine. He was pretty complimentary of Adrian, and he was liked Mills. He liked hey, Washington. Hey, he, he liked JD. To be quite honestly, he doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't like dumb plays. He's a he's an old school. Yeah, football he's an old football guy. He he loves good football, and when he sees something bad, he's he's gonna call it out. Don't line up offsides. Don't do you know. Don't do dumb things. Don't come off of a timeout and have a have a delay a game. These aren't this. Yeah. You know, but I'll tell you what, one other thing defensively, and this was a penalty and, and we got our full value of it. Darian Daniels, do not let him face mask you because you <laughs> are going down if he does. That's, that that's was true. a, that was as smart of a play as <laughs> stepping out of bounds on the kickoff because I think Reggie Corbin was going. Yeah, I think that, I, that was a big run. Yeah, you know, he was he was going to get that 15 yards regardless, so I don't really think it was that bad of a penalty for me. now he's got reservations going through the middle. <laughs> <laughs> Not that we promote her anybody on the Red Coast. Yeah. That's right. You know, maybe I'll have, have Boomer be my rules official, though, too, on this. So there was a bit of controversy in the sense that there was two similar uh, fumble or incompletion conversations, right? We had Adrian's where uh, the ball is knocked out, and then there's one where in the last drive of the game, we do the same thing to Brandon Peters. You know, Boomer, do you have any sense? I mean, to me, I saw that and they are very close and very similar, but yet I did feel like Adrian's ball did come out of his hand before he really was starting to throw it forward. And Peters actually was an incomplete pass, but uh, I don't know your, your thoughts on that at all. Yeah, those are always tough calls. I mean, you know, unless you're the Patriots and can benefit from a tuck rule or something like that, those are going to be, you know, real spur-of-the-moment judgment-type calls, and they're hard either way to really clearly say, you know, this hand was going forward or not in those kind of scenarios. Yeah, like the replay couldn't clean anything up. No, it, it really game. didn't, so I had a hard time with those two. I mean, the refs, this was not a glory game for refereeing on any stretch of the imagination. They may have been Pac-12 officials we imported in. I don't know, but, <laughs> yeah, it, it was a rough game overall for refereeing. I'll say that. Yeah, I think more than anything, a, a criticism of the refereeing, it was a an uneven game in that sense. You never quite could figure out what was going on, and it does have an impact on the, the quality of the play at times. And now, Scarlet Colored Glasses. It's fun. Anytime, like I said, anytime there's a spotlight on your campus, your university, in your town, I think it's a good thing. If you let it be a distraction, it can be. They'll probably mic me up at practice or something, but I don't raise my voice much anyway, so I don't know how much good footage they're going to get. I don't want it to distract the players. It's not going to distract us. we we got a really good team coming in here, and we need to be at our best to have a chance to beat them. All right, now we get to turn our attention to Ohio State as game day comes to town. We also have the ABC night game, so Kirk Street will be calling it. You know, I'm trying to listen to a lot of the national guys. Uh, I, I mentioned I listened to all the podcasts on The Athletic, and, you know, I listened to Andy Staples' show and, and, and whatnot. And, you know, I think the national perception on, on Nebraska right now is, is that we're not very good. Uh, you know, the Colorado loss it had a big impact on our uh, national perception. Uh, this Illinois game didn't help any, even though, again, we've outlined how we actually outpaced Illinois significantly. The, the score gives the impression that we are um, struggling right now. I, I think that's really interesting. In, in a lot of the previews I've heard, they are not even mentioning the fact that we only lost to Ohio State by five points last year in the horseshoe. 
And reason for that, maybe Boomer, is that Ohio State seems to be a lot better team this year. Uh, offensively, maybe uh, similar, different, because Justin Fields is, is different than Dwayne Haskins. But on the defensive side of the ball, Ohio State looks really, really good, where last year they struggled. Can you maybe uh, start us off with just a little bit of um, what you've seen from Ohio State? This week, they spotted Miami of Ohio f- five, point, <laughs> five points, and then they uh, ran off 76. So uh, they seem to be uh, ready for Nebraska, huh? Yeah, this is uh, certainly going to be the biggest challenge we've clearly faced all season. I don't think that surprises anybody. And like you said, Dave, the national media, I think when you're looking at it, if you just take a look at it on paper, if you look at the stats, Ohio State basically outclasses Nebraska in pretty much every statistical category at this point in the season. I mean, some of that could be attributed to who they've played. You know, Miami of Ohio wasn't great. I think they played one of the Florida vowel schools FAU or FIU earlier on yeah Cincinnati I don't think is quite the team everyone thought they might be this year so they haven't really been tested or challenged by anybody so. it is unusual that they didn't get a, a big power yeah I think test. they were supposed to play TCU this year if I remember right yeah. and it was a home and home that got canned so that the Miami of Ohio was a, kind of a last minute filler if I remember right so normally they would have a bigger contest early on this year so yeah Ohio State's been just been very capable on every phase of the ball statistically speaking they're pretty well you know if they're not in the top half they're in the top 20 in a lot of a lot of important categories on offense on total defense you know and like you said I think that's been the big surprising factor for them I heard one stat uh today where I think it was like big plays I can't remember it was 15 or 20 yards like last year this time they had given up dozens of big plays and this year so far they've only given up plays of 15 yards or more three times oh it's just insane and that's one of the concerns i have you know about the matchup here is nebraska you know for as good as their defense have been we've actually been fairly susceptible to large plays i think we've given up 15 plays of like 10 yards or more which is almost the bottom in the big 10 only rutgers and illinois are worse you know partially illinois thanks to us but uh you know that's not a great you know great stat to have so you know, Ohio State's been able to establish the run early. They've been able to get a, a good play-action pass game going, so that's something you really got to watch for, I think. If they're able to get a run game going, you know, that's going to get a big challenge, I think, for this game, just for what I've seen of them early on. They're able to go over the top pretty pretty readily on foes. Yeah, and then so offensively, you have uh, Fields, who has actually seemed to be taken to the Ryan Day offense very well. Uh, and uh, J.K. Dobbins, uh, Mac, you, you haven't always been... Uh, high on Dobbins, uh, but he seems to be uh, off to a good start. There's also a lot of uh, talent at the receiver position. Honky, you've mentioned, uh, is it Olave? Is that right? Mm-hmm. There's just a lot of talent on that Ohio State team. We knew that. We knew that last year, but it seems like they're executing at a pretty high level pretty early uh, so far. Your take from that, maybe just just from their position players, like you know, who stands out to you that is going to be a concern? Well, for me, anytime you face a truly mobile quarterback, that's just an X factor that, that scares the heck out of me. This game will tell me a lot and it'll tell everybody a lot about how, how legit our, our rush defense is. And when I say that, just like what kind of push do they get in the middle? Cause I feel like those guys are legit guys. And I, and I do feel like this will be the first time Ohio State's really faced that. Now, Dave, you're right. 
They've got blue chip guys across the board. I'm I'm sure every one of their frontline guys was a very highly ranked guy. But <clears throat> we've always talked about our our recruiting superiority over an Iowa and over a Wisconsin, and yet those teams somehow seem to find ways to dismantle us year after year. Now I'm not saying we've got that we don't have that kind of momentum as a program yet, but <clears throat> the talent difference could be made up for a lot with just you know us playing our best game. So yeah, like. Fields amazing. Uh, he's he's doing a great job. But again, that's a guy that hasn't played a full game. He's never really played from behind that much. Yeah. He's never been challenged up front, and and you know he hasn't been hit that much. So this this team hasn't played uh, the frontline guys. Although they put up mm-hmm. prolific numbers, they haven't played a lot of game yet. And unless we've alluded to, our guys have been playing meaningful snaps. It's a whole season. There hasn't been much time on a on an offensive series where we didn't need to go out there and score. They've only played in the shoe, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Justin, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I mean, Justin Fields is. They had to play in Indiana, but I mean, yeah, they oh, haven't, okay. they haven't oh, played. Oh, okay, they were in Indiana. They haven't yeah. played in an environment like they're going to have to play at Nebraska yet. And Nebraska takes a backseat to nobody when it comes to having a night game Memorial Stadium. That's as good as any SEC stadium that Fields has been in as a non-starter for Georgia, and he certainly hasn't seen anything like this as a Buckeye. This marks a huge test for Day, an early test for him as a coach, huge test for, for Fields, and let's see how Fields is when he gets hit once or twice early in a game by a real team. And they're not going to just be able to run up the gut on this defensive line. If they are, we're going to have troubles beyond this game. But I am confident that the the six and potentially seven, we've heard a little bit about Jakeem Green maybe even getting onto the field here this week. We don't know yet, but I'm just saying what tu- uh, Coach Tuioti said is that you know we have six or seven defensive linemen that are going to make it really difficult to move between the trenches. And so now it's about you know the outside guys, the outside linebackers, and having the inside linebackers fill, and having those safeties and the nickel back with Doman filling and, and making it hard for Dobbins to find that crease. Um, I think playing a guy like uh, Corbin last week is a good prep for Dobbins. I, I do I do think that. Well they're both the kind of back that if you miss they're gonna they're going to hurt you. Yeah. So and this is the most talented by far wide receiver group that we're gonna play probably the whole season. I know Wisconsin wants to, you know, challenge us on that, but I'm gonna say Ohio State's gonna be the best receiving core we play. So that that really solid play that we've seen out of Jackson and what we've seen out of Thank God Taylor Britt played last weekend. I mean, he showed yeah, well. I mean, time. we didn't know if he'd even be playing, right? So he came out there. He played a full game. Feel pretty confident there. Boodle got beat on that one play, but Boodle's been pretty solid overall. Look, we can play with these guys. And look, our defense is better than it was a year ago. You know, a year ago we gave up 36 points to these guys. We can give up that much or less this this year yeah. and not worry about giving up 40 and 50. I was thinking about this breakdown. I've been really intrigued what you guys are going to say, and – it's interesting in the sense of, like, Honky and I, for example, went to Ohio State a couple years ago under Riley, and we get blown out. Uh, Ohio State torches us here, even in Lincoln. But a lot of the guys on our team, Adrian, Maurice Washington, uh, especially Wandell, they don't have that experience. Um, last year, I mean, Adrian and Mo are, are thinking, you know, hey, we, we lost by five points in Ohio Stadium, and then you have the Ohio State guys. Most of those guys weren't here for 62-3 to either already. It's so quick, this the roster turnover. And Ohio State lost to Purdue last year in a night environment. They've lost to Iowa in a night environment the year before that. And so, it to me, it seems like how this game is going to break down is, like, which team flinches first in the sense of, like, 
they they have that first hesitation of oh could that happen again because Ohio State even though they only lose one game a year they've lost on the road at night in the Big Ten uh, many times before especially the last two years now right and in Nebraska's case we've been routed by Ohio State but then last year we didn't we were very competitive against them. So I think this is a really interesting seat, uh, question of who flinches first in this game. Well, in, in a situation like that, you'd almost think the team with the more seasoned quarterback would be the team less likely to flinch. Um, I'm not saying Justin Fields isn't capable of rising to a challenge of a good defensive line or better defensive secondary. Obviously, he's got guys around the outside, playmakers all over the place. My point is we haven't seen it. And, and, and nobody's seen it because yeah. he hasn't been in it at his time at Georgia and he hasn't been in it at his time so far at Ohio State. It's, it, you know, you're the best team on the block. You should be airing it out. And, and it looks like a lot of fun. So when it comes time to flinch and Dave, you're right. You know, you got to start fast in a game like this. Too many times in these big games, you come out and we immediately do something stupid, like against, and this isn't even a big game, but just as Illinois. an example, <laughs> Northern Illinois too, but like, yeah. like when we come out and we're driving and then we, and then we throw that pick six and then it goes the other way. Or, or even last year's Ohio State game, we go down, we score opening drive. What do we do? We miss a ball off of a tee, a non-moving tee, <laughs> and, and, and the most ridiculous, <laughs> You know, the special teams over the last few years has just been, it could be its own blooper reel. But like, and so we immediately give them an opportunity to do that again. Adrian has that one lateral pass that is just a stupid throw and it's a freshman move. And like, if we remove some of those things, you know, they, they, they talk about last year's game as if Ohio State didn't play well and they played down to our level. Like, well, what about how well or how many mistakes we had in that game. Sure. We had some good moments, but man, JD missed an open pass. Like I said about Adrian's interception. So, Dave, I almost forgot what you were, you were asking me. I get, I get so <laughs> sidetracked on this stuff. No, that was great. I mean, <laughs> hockey could jump in or boomer, but I, I think my, I'm saying is like a key to the game here is just uh, to start fast. I think you said that. It's exactly right. We need to start fast. And the question is who flinches first in the sense of like, I feel like if, some good things happen first for Nebraska. We're going to get in this game, and our, all of our players are going to be like, well, we almost beat these guys last year, and now we're at home, and look at this environment. Let's do this. And yeah. Ohio State may, might be thinking to themselves, oh, man, here comes Iowa again, just like last year, or, or, or Purdue or whatever. Yeah, the matchup I really want to see kind of in this game is kind of in the, in the lines of flinching and how they play. Is I want to see how you know Chase Young and kind of Adrian Martinez play off each other. I mean Chase Young's been pretty dominant as a defensive end for Ohio State in the games I've seen. I think he's already got 7 sacks for the season. He's a creature out there. He physically just looks as imposing as any player that I've seen on tape in a long time. You know, we have to be aware of where he is and and do a good job on him. We also can't cripple ourselves by focusing too much on him because there's a lot of other good players on the defense as well. Yeah, we we'll know where he is. We're going to challenge our guys to do a good job. Try to give them help where we can and uh, hope for the best. You know, is our line going to be able to hold him the entire game or stop him? Probably not. So it's going to be a fascinating matchup to see when he gets into the backfield, how does Adrian respond to that? Is he going to be able to move and work with his feet the way we've seen him do in the past? Or is he going to be the more tentative one, you know, which can cause trouble for us? So that's going to be the fascinating matchup, I think, in the chess game we'll see here. Boomer, I think you're you're dead on on that because, I mean, if, if Chase gets to Adrian... That's a that's a big negative, but if it goes the opposite way, honky, uh, we could have some big plays. Yeah, if we want to sit back in the pocket 
uh, something I have not been an advocate of all year anyways. But if we want to sit back in the pocket and let Hymas go one-on-one with, with Chase all day, uh, we'll get destroyed doing that. If we want to get Martinez moving, get him out of the pocket, play action, speed option, RPOs, all those things, I think there's a there's plenty of ways that we can get Martinez into the flow of the game and away from from Young, you know, in the process. I think the keys of the game. I'm going to sound like a bit of a broken record because this goes back to what we just talked about with the Illinois game, but we got to be turnover neutral. And what I mean by that is we've got to at least be even with them. Okay. I mean, I, I guess if maybe if we can maybe be minus one, but the point is let's think of a game where we're actually turnover neutral in the game. And maybe I know this sounds like a crazy thing, but what if we were plus one or two? We've actually been doing a pretty decent job this year on defense of getting some turnovers. We've been stripping the ball. We've been getting some interceptions, but our offense has still been turning that ball over. Stop it on the offensive side. And I think if we're turnover neutral, that's number one. Number two, penalties. Less penalties. We only had one against Northern Illinois. Last week we had double digits. That's ridiculous. As we've talked over the course of this game, half of them are pre-snap ones. It's stupid. They're dumb ones. And a lot of times they're totally preventable and they're irregardless of who the opponent is. If we can keep it to four or less to this game, what does that mean? One or less a quarter uh, on average. Four or less penalties and we're turnover neutral. And then the next thing is the snaps. So far through four games, we've been 50-50 on, on good snaps. And so we got to get those. Those are literally three things that we have 100% control over. Our penalties, a lot of these turnovers. We're hearing about Diedrich Mills holding on the ball all week, you know, kind of like the program. And the snaps, those are three things that we can control. You do those three things alone, we're going to be okay. Because we're going to move the ball a Listen, lot. That's, that's all I want to see, just to see what we look well, like. Well, there's your progress. You know, and, and if we're if we're turnover. To to win, I think we have to be plus. I would take take, take even just to see where it is. I'll take even. To be honest, I'll take even. Because beyond that, we can talk special teams here in a second. Boomer will talk about that. But, you know, short of a game like Northern Illinois where where special teams literally takes over the game, where you have like five blocks and fakes and onsides and all kinds of craziness, if you have a normal special teams game, all the things we just talked about, the penalties and the turnover neutral – that's the thing that starts to affect your starting field position. Yeah. So here, I'll give you one example of this. Before the game even starts, the, the, the coin is flipped. Nebraska wins it. We win the toss. What do we do? We take the ball. You're damn right we take the ball. Because if we take the ball and we take five minutes off the clock and we get to the 50-yard line getting one or two first downs, and then the drive sizzles out, we punt the ball to them, they get the ball at their 20-yard line, and they start there, and they started there with 10 or 9 minutes left, that's a victory. That's a win. We just gave them the ball at their 20, and they have to go 80 yards against us. If we stop them after one or two first downs, they punt it from their 30. We get the ball at the 45 or the 40 or the 35. It's a net win. That's how minute this game has to be. Like We have to break it down to that level. Every time we start the ball with our starting field position 5 and 10 and 15 yards behind where they're starting— that's a loss for us. I did notice in the Illinois game, we had uh, two returners back in the second half, finally. And it was it was ridiculous. And since they had one of those Australian punters who was kicking away from JD, and the ball rolls down to the five-yarder every single time. And I'm like, and suddenly, I think it was Noah that was back there, and they couldn't do that any longer. And I'm like, that's just going to save us 15 to 20 yards right there, right? I mean, Yeah, I'm surprised it kind of took them that long to adapt to that. You know, our special teams have just been kind of comical over the years. We've been behind the curve on special teams for the longest time. That's just another example of it. You know, that affected that starting field. field position matters. Oh, it does. Yeah, we've, we've covered that in many redcasts before, and I'm sure we'll do so again. 
you know, up until that last game, I thought our special teams had made huge improvements. We didn't kick it well at all, didn't punt it very well, kicked some line drives that were very returnable in the kickoff game, had penalties on special teams. Uh, so we didn't play a very good game in that phase. There's going to be a lot of emphasis put on that this week. Ohio State's, uh, the reason they're such a good team, they're really good on offense, they're really good de on defense, and they're really good on special teams, and they keep pressure on you in all three phases. So we need to be at our best in uh, all three phases of the game as well. It's like they've employed my PlayStation model of you let it roll as far as you can so you can rack up stats. I mean, you don't usually <laughs> see that play out in real life, but we have we really have done a good job of that. Do I am I patting myself on the back or do I get any credit for calling that we should have two punt returners for the last two weeks? I've never heard you say that. Oh, stop it. <laughs> I've never heard you talk about walk-ons. I've never heard you keep telling me how bad we need a fullback. Oh, you are. I've never heard <laughs> You are the worst. I hate you more than anyone else right now. Um, you know what? Corn fed lineman. Okay, this is a good time. You know what? We're talking special teams. Let's, Dave, can I go a, li a little bit into the mailbag? Absolutely. Let's crack we, it open. We have a question on this, and Boomer, I'm going to direct it to you. This is a step back looking back at the Illinois game, but we had a kind of a crazy play that happened. And I know, Mac, you and I were watching it in the stands, and, and they kicked the ball down to the three yard line. The yeah. guy lands on it, and all of a sudden the ball's at the 35. And we talk about starting field position. That was huge. That's the difference between starting at the three and getting the ball at the 35, a 32 yard difference. And I know all of us looked at each other and said, well, the ref screwed up. They absolutely screwed it up. But apparently, Boomer, they didn't. That is correct. They did not screw that up. I uh, did some digging and actually uh, approved ruling 424 in the NCAA rule book. Um, it refers to a scenario quite like this, where if on a free kick, if it's dead and in the field of play and it's touched by a player who's out of bounds, that's considered out of bounds because the player himself is out of bounds. I, I was thinking about this after that game, and I was thinking about it today. And it occurred to me, we did see this happen before. Um, I, I believe the Packers have done it in the NFL, but, you know, this isn't an NFL podcast. But then I remembered, and possibly the greatest football game in all the history of bowl pageantry that we've all seen and witnessed, the 2018 Cheez-It Bowl. If you go back and watch it, the opening kickoff, Cal does the same thing. Uh, you know, the ball gets down to about the three-yard line, and the Cal return guy runs out of bound and grabs it, and they get the ball at the 35. And granted, that game ended 7-7 uh, seven to seven in regulation with like nine interceptions, so it was uh, just a beautiful <laughs> game of football played all around. But the one thing they could do is handle special teams well, and that, that worked. So it is a rule. It was perfectly legit. The one good call the rest made, then according to the rules in that game, apparently, and they burned all their karma on that, I guess, because they couldn't get much else right. It's a good call on – come on. It's a, it's a weird rule. rule. Yeah. but It's a terrible rule, but it's a good call. I, and, and, and and kudos to that player for knowing yeah. it. Yeah. Why all of a sudden are the guys we're playing against geniuses? Like, <laughs> I, can you imagine uh, Big ten, one yeah. of Big our ten, yeah, higher, higher education thinking level. to do that? I mean, we had – wasn't it Mo Washington last year? <laughs> grabbed the ball, ran out, and decided to down it at the two. Yeah, he downed it. It's like, no, you can't do that. You know, it's like <laughs> – so, that was against Iowa. That was and again, goal. that was my PlayStation strategy: get it to the two, give yourself a little room, and then throw it deep. Yeah, you know, Boomer. I think it does give us a chance to talk a little bit about special teams and how. I mean, we have to be better against Ohio State to have a chance here. I mean, that has to be a key to the game. And the the kickoffs. Uh, we had the Michigan State transfer um, Prisup. How do you pronounce his last name? Yeah, let's go with that. And uh, and he's really a punter. But he was inserted as our, our kickoff guy because our, our kickers are so out of whack here, right? And and um, he might have the leg strength, but he's like his trajectory it was like line drives, 
And I'm going to have nightmares about J.K. Dobbins potentially trying to return some of these kicks. I mean, we have to get this fixed in the sense that, like, most teams now get touchbacks on 75, 80% of their, their kickoffs. And Illinois was, was taking every single one of ours out because they weren't reaching the end zone. This is an instance where in that play, it only got to the three-yard line. Yeah, that's a big concern. And, you know, not surprising, like you said, Dave, we rank pretty poorly in kickoff return yards with our opponents. I think we're uh, 123rd overall and 99th in per attempts. I think teams are averaging about 23 yards per return on us when they are able to return the ball. And like we mentioned, that's not against the most talented returners that we've seen. Uh, that is going to be a challenge. I, I hope we can just start kicking them out of the end zone. And because Lord knows we've seen what happens when we try to onside kicks before in the past. So we don't want that uh, mystery. <laughs> yeah, the, the moving T again. So we're not going to do that again. But yeah, that's a, that's a serious challenge in this game. And you mentioned just kicking in general. You know, field goal kicking and extra points have been an adventure this season. You know, for all the reasons mm-hmm. we've had with injuries to our kickers, we're what two of seven, I believe, in field goal two attempts five, this season. Like two of seven. Yeah, we're two we're not good on kicking and. We haven't been great kicking there, no. and and I'll tell you right now from punts. I watched Ohio State play Indiana, and uh, they have a great receiver, Olave. He had a touchdown catch in, in that Indiana game, but he also had a blocked punt. Yeah, we've had multiple extra points missed and blocked. I mean, that's they they blocked uh, extra points as well. So there's an opportunity to leave a lot of points on the field that we either miss the field goal, get it blocked, or we're just not comfortable making or even attempting the field goal, so we have to go for it on on fourth down where you otherwise might want three points. So that is a serious concern in this game and really for the whole season. Yeah, with the film we've put out there, we can expect to see pressure on our on our field goals and punts for the rest of the year. Boomer, do you think, I mean, with that, with the blocked extra point even, is, is that about the actual offensive line play or is that just the trajectory of the kick combination, anything on that? I think it's a combination of all of it. I mean, special teams is so much about timing and everything being, you know, essentially perfect, you know, from where the kicker lines up to where the holder is to how that center snaps that ball to how the line lines up. You know, we even saw the difference on even moving back five yards, you lead you to miss a kick. You know, that should be fairly easy. I had some numbers a few weeks ago. I'll have to dig them up again and just how big of a difference five yards makes in the percentage of kicks, especially at the college level. And it's quite a bit so I'll, I'll try to see if i still have those somewhere but uh yeah urban meyer mentioned that yeah that's what inspired me to look them up mm-hmm. and i'll see if i can find those but just even those little things like that and so much of kicking is is mental and psyche yep clearly a key to the game definitely on one of those blocks uh, uh, javon dewitt was asked about that today in his press conference and and he had mentioned because uh, it came right up the middle and he came right over the the deep snapper and he's just saying, you know, I need some clarification on this from the Big Ten if this should have been a penalty or not. Because if it, if it is if it is okay, okay, fine. But then we have to adjust how we're going to block this. But otherwise, it you know, it sounds like there might have been a little issue of how that because you're not supposed to be able to. At least my understanding is you're not supposed to be able to go straight over the long snap. Yeah, he's he's defended players, and he definitely did, and nothing was called, and it was never mentioned. So we'll see. Yeah, that'll be interesting. All right, guys, um, that was a great defensive breakdown. Uh, let's move on to predictions. All right, well, Honky, let's let's start with you and uh, give us uh, your Ohio State Nebraska prediction. And if there's anything else you're looking forward to this weekend, just let us know. The keys of the game: the turnovers, the penalties, the snaps, getting some good snaps. Control the things you can control in this. If we do that, if we don't beat ourselves, Ohio State's hard enough to beat 
alone. Don't beat yourselves and then have to beat them too. Because that's what we did against Illinois. We beat ourselves and it took 400 extra yards of offense to beat Illinois on top of that. Don't do that this week. But I am confident. I actually feel really good that we're going to play a good, solid game. And Mac, you mentioned it a week ago about how Frost had talked about how sometimes you don't know the hole in the boat until mm-hmm. you put it in the water and then you see it. We've had enough holes in the boat this year to fix. We've had things to fix. We've been able to identify them in games. And I don't know that Ohio State's been able to do that. I don't know they've been able to do that because they haven't been challenged enough yet. And they don't you know, know their holes yet. So we know our holes. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> kind of seems weird to say it that way. But yeah, it's shocking. I'm going to pick a win. But I'm going to go 36-31. I'm taking last year's score, and I'm flipping it. It was 36-31 in the, in the horseshoe, Ohio State. This year it's 36-31, it's Nebraska. All right, Mac? If you give me the offensive output of the Illinois game, combined with the discipline of the Northern Illinois game, the run defense of the Northern Illinois game, mm-hmm. the pass defense of the Illinois game, and the special team performance heretofore not seen, <laughs> I would say <laughs> that we could win this game 38-34. <laughs> now, if we have the discipline of last week's game mixed with you know the lack of focus in the second half of Colorado and – Actually, the defensive performance has been pretty good, except for maybe the third quarter of Colorado. Then that score could get real ugly for us. And and, and the special team performance of so, every game so far. So everyone's confused right now. What do you think, Mac? Hey, What's it's your... not up to me. It's up to the Huskers. I told you if it's the if it's the good ones that I just said. So what are you predicting? What's your yeah, score? I just told you 38-34, good Huskers, 42-17, bad Huskers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So Mac's got two predictions. All yeah. right, great. We'll okay. run with that. Mac making an early play for the Octo Pick of the Week there. I'm impressed. But uh, <laughs> We're a big fan of hedging bets. We really are, podcast. yeah. So uh, I did find those numbers, Dave, on kicking, just to throw them out here for I didn't want to leave fans hanging. Uh, I knew I had them saved. This was from a website, watchstadium.com. They looked at all the all the kicks from Power 5 kickers in the 2018 season. Uh, within 15 to 19 yards, kickers are 94% accurate. You move that back to 20 to 24, 93%. 25 to 29, you're 91. You move that out to 30 yards, that drops to 83%. And 35 yards, you're already down to 71%. So you can kind of see what a big difference just five yards makes, especially as you're starting to hit that 30-yard kick, you know, kick range. And I think we've only made one field goal so far this year past 30. So that just kind of shows you how important just every yard matters on special teams, especially when going for those kicks. And now as far as this week's game, oh, man. This is one of those where you just, again, we mentioned it earlier, you look at the stat sheets, you throw them up against each other. There is no logical reason you'd ever pick Nebraska on this <laughs> as far as the stats go. But uh, I'm going to go with what old Jack Burton always says, and what the hell, Nebraska at home, we're finally due. Ohio State's bound to lose a game. They always do to somebody every year. And I predicted earlier this year we're going to either beat Ohio State or Michigan. The odds are good we're not playing Michigan the way they're playing. And so <laughs> this is going to be it. We somehow pull this off 38-36. to 36. Nice big trouble in Little China reference there, Michael. I thought the fans would enjoy it. <laughs> for the for the Redcasters who have not watched that movie, do yourself a favor and pick that one up. Uh, that's, that's great stuff, guys. And, uh, I mean, Honky thought he might have been the, uh, the lone wolf, but that is not the, uh, not the case. Uh, if I, I took Nebraska in this, I think my wife would kill me. Uh, she, uh, would think that I'm just, 
you know, crazy. Uh, so I, I probably should, for my own um, safety here in the house, uh, think long and hard about this. So one. Dave, 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 you have to put money down. Put it that way with your pick here. You know, you, you're actually physically putting money down on it. What's your pick? Ohio State thirty-eight, Nebraska thirty-four. I mean, I mean, money-wise, that's easy. I mean, it's way safer to take Ohio State. I'm an odds guy, and the I mean, I think we can win this game. Are the odds in favor of us winning this game? No, it is not. Dave, are you attending um, this game in person? I just want to double check before. We no, go. I am not. <laughs> so so I'm, hel- I'm doing my part. Thank you, Dave. I, I'm not even sure I want you to watch it. <laughs> okay, here's my. Just don't watch the first quarter. Give us the first quarter, and then come in in the second strong. All right, we'll, we'll see about that. I, I've observed a Nebraska victory over Ohio State in person. I was there um, for the Rex Burkhead year where we beat him. It was Luke Fickle's interim year. And so, I mean, I'm, I've, I've seen a victory against Ohio State. What are you guys talking about? The legend of Joe Bowserman, I think, the worst backup quarterback yes. ever. Yeah. Sorry if he's a listener, but... Maybe you should go to the Ohio State Watch site and see if you can give them some bad juju. <laughs> Instead of... Don't go to the Husker we- the Watch site, even though it's a home game. Maybe you could... Maybe you could... I mean, the All Red right, gets results, that. don't we? I, I know where it's at. That's for certain. Hockey and I have been there before. Yeah. Uh-oh. All right, guys. Great stuff. Uh, let's get out of here with some parting shots. Um, let's, uh, let's start with Mac. My parting shot is to the Red Roof Inn. Um, <laughs> this was a fun trip. We had a great time. Uh, Illinois, Illinois was, the fans were great. The tailgate area was great. The Red Roof Inn, you know, man. <laughs> I know how to pick them. Yeah. Only, I only had to kill three bugs. And one, and, and the fourth bug had died of natural causes in the bathroom. So, uh, yeah, we had a good time. We had a great the time. The bug didn't like OD or anything in the bathroom? It was natural. I, Dave, that's a fair question. Uh, <laughs> that is a fair question. <laughs> he just got some cocaine residue just crawling across the floor and just couldn't make it. <laughs> uh, all right, Boomer, what do you got for me? Well, I just kind of want to just mention to the, the entire Redcasters, enjoy this week. I mean, this is a fun week. It's a game we haven't seen here in Lincoln in a long time. You know, a, a big game here against a major opponent that we're feeling kind of confident with. You've got a game day atmosphere here. That's going to be a lot of fun for people who've never been to it. Um, got national attention on it. Uh, I don't quite understand the fans that didn't want attention. You know, they didn't want game day here. They didn't want us to you know, be on TV worried about being embarrassed. If that's what you're worried about, why do you root for this team or care? I mean, you're going to be on TV. Just embrace it for all it's worth. Take all the publicity you can. Enjoy the Friday night basketball game, you know, ahead of time and all the festivities that go on with that. It's a great weekend, great week for Oscar sports. Boomer, we have tickets. We, we actually, do. I, we I do. I can't believe we didn't bring it up. Boomer and I, we have four tickets that were sent to us from Facebook Ben out of Colorado. He sent them to us. He said, use them. And they are row nine. And there's four tickets, and Boomer and I are going to take two of them. And Redcasters, there's two other tickets. If you want to go to the the basketball opening event on Friday night, and you want to sit next to Boomer and I, um, it sounds funny when you say it like that. I know it's kind of weird, but if you want to take these other two, <laughs> they have seats, to sit between us. That'll be the weird thing. Yeah. Well, that is the weird thing. But how do we want to do this, guys? Do we want them just to like have to? Like, we'll come up with something on Twitter or something this week. We'll announce it. Yeah, that's awesome. And I, 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 it's great to mention that Scott. Scott Frost has really kind of 
uh, squash that like why wouldn't we want game day here and I think that's really important uh, that we embrace that because um, we we want to have that more often so absolutely big deal you know I don't know maybe people are just also nervous about not joining our Yahoo Pick'em group right Honk we have the Go Big Red cast uh, Pick'em uh, this is the last week you can still join um, the first four weeks can be thrown out so you have to get in mm-hmm. now but uh, don't be afraid Folks, yeah. embrace the challenge. Dave, I would love four more. Four more to join, and we will hit 100 participants. Our goal was 50. So double our goal. Four more people. Join us. All right. Join Go, go check it out. All right, Honk. Let's get out of here with your parting shots. Oh, here we go. I, I'm going to go ahead and yep, Get a sandwich. Only have a couple. Take a while. <laughs> only have a couple. Well, speaking of a big deal, um, our last show, we hit, we hit 100 shows. And we didn't really meant you know make reference to that during the rapid reaction, but that was the the one hundredth redcast. I mean, guys, that's unbelievable. On the same for the nine hundredth win of the uh, wow. high school program. Beautiful symmetry points. when you look at it. I like that serendipity. I don't know. Yeah, um, I want to give congrats to Scott Frost and his father Larry. They were both inducted into the Nebraska High School uh, Sports Hall of Fame. It's nice to see good things go his way. <laughs> <laughs> also, it is game day. ESPN here. And uh, we started a hashtag game day record. Uh, Mizzou had 18,000. And as far as I could Google, uh, that it said that their 18,000 was the all time record. I don't know if that's, you know, factual or not, but the point is let's blow that away, that, Husker that, fans. That, that record should blow it away. Fall. How do they blow keep Blow it away. If we could get 30,000 people into Boulder, we can get 30,000 people in the ESPN game. How day. do they track attendance on that? Who knows? Because we need to post that later on social media so we can get that number up. Who knows? I, Corso counts them individually. And, <laughs> and, and, and the last piece of news, and I hate to end on a downer, but this is, and this is really sad news. Uh, Scott Gaylord, Christian's dad, uh, he passed away in a car wreck last week. Um, on a personal level, my wife, Kathy, actually, she works at a place where, where he was a, a healthcare rep and he would come and sell stuff. And so he's talked with Kathy a number of times. I mean, she's really, she's devastated. Their, their staff is, I mean, it's a, it's a horrible thing. And so our hearts, our condolences, everything goes out to the entire Gaylord family. Uh, he sounds like he was a, he was a great guy. And I mean, Kathy, yeah. Kathy misses him. So Very we're very sad. sorry to hear that, uh, Christian and the Redcast is thinking of you. All right. Thanks, Honk. That's, uh, really important. All right, guys. Well, uh, I do hope we have a, a great weekend uh, in Lincoln with game day and Ohio State visiting us. For now, let's call that a Go Big Redcast. Go Big Red. Beat Ohio State. <laughs>